Was the pop culture of the 1980s more unifying than any other? Gather around the water cooler and let's find out together. Once again, it's time for the idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots. My name is Will, and joining me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Ray the Entertainer. How are we doing today? Doing really well. And also joining us in the studio today, we have two guests. On my left, he's a professor of political science and assistant director of the Ray C. Bliss Institute of Applied Politics at the University of Akron. And on my right, he's the former U.S. representative for Ohio's 18th Congressional District. Please welcome Professor David Cohen and Congressman Zach Space. Hi, Hello. guys. Hello. Great to be Thank here. Thank you for joining us. So in a little while, we're going to be talking about how the politics of the 1980s shaped the pop culture that we love. Um, but first, let's talk about 80s news. The first thing in, in 80s news, and again, the, the cool thing about this is it just, you can't kill it off, Zach. The 1980s will not go away. First up, um, we learned that, I didn't know this because I'm not a big fan, but the show American Horror Story, have either of you ever seen that? Mm-hmm. You have? I've I have. seen the movie, right? Um, I, don't, I don't know if it was, was it ever a movie? Uh, no, actually it's a TV show and each year they set it somewhere else. Uh, I think the first year was an asylum. There was one set in an was, Amityville horror type situation. Oh, that was the first season. Yeah. Something I, I, like that. And the circus was one. Yeah, oh, the circus one was probably my favorite, yeah. So this will be a short discussion then because only Ray has seen it. And I've seen <laughs> one episode. But it's interestingly enough, again, supporting our thesis, this season's new season is going to be set in 1984. Mm, nice. Which, you know, for me is most known for the best year of movies. You guys might not have known that because right. I tell by your blank stares. Yeah, actually, <laughs> it was. Actually, do you know what the premise of the show is yet? Because I do not. But I want to take a guess and say Poltergeist. Okay, let oh, me see if I can. Okay, I've got it on my screen here. That's my Let's guess. Yeah. Now they they did confirm cast members, and, and um, I, it's the same cast every season. Well, y- yes, most oftentimes folks return. I didn't know that Emma Roberts and Billy Lord were part of that cast. I think I know who Emma Roberts is. I know Billy Lord is Carrie Fisher's daughter. Right. She was also in uh, the last two Star Wars movies. And, you know, and what I'm looking at now doesn't say the uh, premise of it. But that, that's I, fine. You got the gist that it was I, set in the 80s. I do know that's the, <laughs> good the, enough the, the for picture, me. The picture of one of the actors here is, and I'll show you guys this, is dressed kind of like an uh, exercise oh, video oh, from nice. the 1980s. Yep. It's going to be a flash dance kind of thing. So maybe it's set in the Jane Fonda workout tape. Yeah. Xanadu the 80s? Xanadu is the 80s. Yeah. But that's not Jane Fonda, though. Is Billy Idol the 80s? He is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah he, oh, that right. guy looks yes. like he could be a bit I think, Idol. I think the two of us could write the next year for them. And Okay. And the other thing, uh, a bit of 1980s news, because that didn't go very far. I wasn't <laughs> anticipating it would. Um, back to the Future. Have you guys heard of it? Uh, seen it a couple times. You have? Yeah. Just mm-hmm. a two? Just a few. <laughs> okay. Maybe five. And by the way, we should say that in no way, shape, or form should you guys feel like you need to lie about your interest in 80s pop culture. If you think the 70s, 60s, Ray once suggested the 1880s might have been a better yeah. decade. Mm-hmm. We're going to investigate that eventually. <laughs> Just be honest. Well, we will, we will, you know, uh, obviously argue about that. But well, Zach and I were talking about this before the show, and and I, I, you know, just going back and looking at the chronology of of what happened, I, I, I miss the '80s. At least from a political standpoint, it was a much simpler time. 
than the current era we're living in right now. So just to be clear, you're, you more miss the political climate. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily that. Back to the Future was in the movie theaters. Well, you know what? Uh, they had some great movies in the 80s. I do really like the pop culture of the 80s. I prefer the, the music from the 70s to the 80s, but the pop culture in the 80s, I think, you do at least as far as my lifetime uh, is concerned, I, I think it's the best. I can now picture Dave in Bellbottoms dancing <laughs> to disco music. <laughs> Which music in the 70s? Are we talking like middle-of-the-road rock or uh, punk rock? Steely uh, Dan. Okay. You know, that, uh, right. Yeah. Oh, very good. And I'm not going to call you out, Zach, and, and make you commit to one decade or another. So I'm just going to stare at you too, do. Here's what I think. <laughs> I, I think that, that we are impacted by our own personal experiences in the time of our life. How old sure. were you, Will, in the 1980s? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, it was a young man at the beginning of the 80s and was uh, an adult, technically, by the end of the 80s. So, yeah. So, so um more or less. It was like 10 year. through 18, yeah, I guess. So I think it's like easy that. to look back fondly on periods of li- your life when you're healthy and you're, you've got the future to look forward to. And mm-hmm. realistically, honestly, I think the, the fashions of the 80s and much of the music of the 80s sucked. Okay. <laughs> this is our first challenge, you Ray. <laughs> That's fine. We don't know what to do. Uh, we need some kind of alert system. Come on, you're saying like a bleached jean jacket was not like the best kind of fashion? Or, or Michael Jackson's leather jacket? <laughs> but he had so many practical pockets, <laughs> lots of zippers. In fact, I still have my bleached stonewashed jean jacket, which clearly doesn't fit me anymore, still hanging in my closet. In fact, my son, who's 19, he, he wears it every well, once in a while. How about that 80s hair? Oh, right. God. Yeah, I, I, love, I love 80s hair. <laughs> I had long hair in the 80s. Why don't you wear it now? Well, they take a long time to grow it back out. So You know what, Zach? If I could grow a mullet, I would. Just saying. <laughs> but I, That's about the only thing I could grow. But the, uh, the, Just the, straighten uh, the back. The Billy Idol hairdo is also really cool. There I've done go. that before, too. So. so, and Zach, so I take take it to your point, take your point that there is something nostalgic about, you know, we, we learned in, in our first episode, we talked about how we learned that roughly around 20 years after you're a teen, you start getting nostalgic for your teen years. Uh, and because, in part, because you had less responsibility, more sure. fun, you didn't have a mortgage, you know, that sort of right. thing. So with regard, so I take your point in that sense, but are you uh, necessarily hearkening for the clothing or music or films of the generation that you do identify with? Good question. Um, and I think it, it depends on this, the stage of my life. Here's what I remember. I remember being in the 70s as a child, uh, growing up in eastern Ohio, just totally enthralled by the 1950s, hmm. where life was simpler and easier and seemingly happier. I think nostalgia is a very powerful motivator. Sure. And I say, So as I stand today, you know, I look back at uh, the period in my life, for example, when my kids were were small children during the 1990s. And I look very fondly on that period for reasons that really have nothing to do with the 1990s, more so to do with my own personal connection. The things in my life that, that, uh, you know, I yearn for. I yearn to go back to when my kids were a kid. I yearn to go back when when I was a kid. Um, The truth is I wouldn't want to go back because it's always uh, (laughs) much more, it's better in the rearview mirror than it is in reality. That was actually the the same conclusion that we came up with. Um, We liked it and it was a great time in our lives, but we would not want to go back either. But we love having the movies, et cetera, still. And so what I'm I'm here, I don't hear that we're wrong so far, Zach, from you. You know, this seems like a very specific personal thing that you want to go back to, you know, your life of a younger man necessarily, but not necessarily, I'm trying to think, 
uh, well, The Godfather. I mean, you have a lot of icon- iconic movies from the 70s, so it's hard to knock the 70s because there was a lot of great a lot of great films there, too. Well, the 70s may have started the movement, but the 80s perfected it. <laughs> so, yeah, in the 70s, you have Godfather, but in the 80s, you had Godfather 3. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, was that, was that the 90s? Uh, no, that might have been the 90s. No, you get, um, you get Wall Street, you get... Uh, when did Goodfellas come out? That That's was the 80s, late the, 80s. The late 80s? Yeah. Oh, well, you had A New Hope at the end of the 70s, but you had Empire in the early right. 80s. Okay, so, there you yeah, go. Yeah, you get a lot of good stuff in the 80s that's... Um, you get Ray Liotta's so, One Good Movie? Right. Right? Uh, <laughs> actually, he was, in, uh, he was in one of the Dungeons & Dragons movies. <laughs> oh. He played a wizard of all yeah. things, which yeah. is very strange. He was also he was, in Field of Dreams, which actually is yes, a yeah. fantastic oh, movie. He was the, the father, right? He was the no. He was Shoeless oh, Joe Jackson. Oh, all right. oh yeah, I thought oh, he was he the played, father too. He played no. the father in something else that I just saw not yeah. too long ago. So, so know. was was Ray Liotta in the Dungeons and Dragon Dragons movie after Goodfellas? Yes. Yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! <laughs> and it was a straight to DVD release on top of it. Well, well, it's sad. We've all got bills to pay. That's right. <laughs> so the I, I think he was selling like I don't know male diapers or adult diapers, uh, <laughs> right? TV yeah, commercials. Yeah. I'm anti-smoking stuff. I think. He, oh, yeah, he did yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah, because smoking could lead to uh, incontinence. That's right. So maybe it was both. <laughs> you know, so the Back to the Future. I bring that up because um, recently there was a little piece that said Chris. Christopher Lloyd would be interested in doing a Back to the Future 4, and apparently he said this even in 2015, wow. but he said it again recently, but he feels like it needs to be about something important, something like climate change, perhaps. Hmm. I'm wondering if you guys think a Back to the Future movie that somehow, is there a way to do climate change in a way that in our ever-increasing partisan world that you could still get as many folks in seats? Uh, you know, it seems to me that you'd have maybe 50% of the audience you had in 1985. Or forty three percent. But you know, Back to the yes. Future has such a fan base um, that I think, uh, my gosh, if you get Christopher Lloyd, um, if you get Michael J. Fox, um, bring the band back together, I I think you would you would fill the seats uh, as long as it's a decent script. Yep. If the movie's good, they're yep. going to show up. So yeah. what you guys are saying is, if you build it, they will come. Oh, there exactly. you go. Yes, show. Yeah, I think so. I mean. Once you were able to tie a, a current joke to an earlier joke, this show ends. <laughs> so you have to be careful not to do that. Well, it's been great. Thank you. Yes, thanks, Dave. I feel like we've had a lot of, uh, you know, and probably now with the social media, unlike we had in the 1980s, stuff can get demonized so quickly as being other, you know? So if I'm a Democrat, that's Republican. A Republican is Democrat. You know, we've seen examples where, what you know, Nike, different companies that you know, just you think are taking a position that's just uh, good for brand or marketing and suddenly it becomes a political one that on social media, again, folks are just demonizing. I think Back to the Future might be something that in spite of their base, you know, mm-hmm. their fan base, like you say, Dave, could be carved up maybe, at least maybe, uh, maybe not realistically, maybe artificially, maybe uh, the folks on Twitter don't necessarily really represent who would fill seats. Well, perception is is often the reality. Sure. You can't do anything. The hypersensitivity of a political nature that exists in our society is totally out of control. And frankly, on all sides of the political equation. Sure. And and you guys, I know you guys have been talking about doing, a, possibly doing a podcast together on your own. Is the idea of it that sort of trying to narrow that gap in the sense that we understand we have some sort of maybe common history or, or understand how we got here in the first place? So, you know, from, from my perspective, I think it's really important to bring a cultural uh, viewpoint. Uh, I think politics, um, I think uh, virtually, you know, music, hairstyles, uh, clothing 
are reflective of a culture. And I think the the problems we th- we see with our politics in America today, the dysfunctionality, is a reflection of a culture or, that is dysfunctional. And um, I think if we're going to fix what's broken, and a lot needs fixed in order for for our governmental process to work properly, politics to work properly, we need to focus on on our culture. And I'd like I'd love to hear the perspective of social scientists, um, uh, psychologists, when it comes to to some of these large questions that we all have, like how is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is it that this is being tolerated? I think it's a, an interesting perspective that transcends politics and puts politics really in its rightful place as a piece of a larger culture. Right. Well, and, um, and you go back to the 1980s. Yep. Uh, oh, thank you, think, Dave. And you don't, you don't have, I think, the open demonization of political opponents like you do now. People disagreed, and the disagreements were you know, furious and uh, sometimes bitter. Uh, but at the end of the day, they were still able to uh, get things done. You didn't look at political opponents as uh, the enemy. And I think social media uh, has exacerbated that problem nowadays, uh, as well as uh, I just think we have ideologies that are uh, really out of control. Uh, right. and, and so, so you make these observations, yeah. the lack of civility, the ideological purity. So what we want to do is, is really answer the question, why? Why, has, why have we lost uh, a sense of civility? Why, why have we allowed for a process that, that, that incentivizes people to degrade one another? Uh, we, we reward politicians who uh, are nasty and punish those by not voting for them who are decent and avoid this. So, so the question is, why is this happening? And to answer those questions... Um, you have to look at what's happening to our culture. And I think, I think, and I think David probably agrees with me here, that the rate of change that we're experiencing in this world today, it's unlike the 80s, for sure. It's moving very, very rapidly. The advent of technology and the advance of technology has been breathtaking in its speed. And, it, and we have not been able to keep up as a culture. Our politics, our laws, virtually everything we deal with is chasing technology, and and I think it's worthy of a discussion, um, and we want to have that conversation. Very good. Uh, only to make things a little lighter, <laughs> you know, your your sound, their, their sound, like their the premise of their podcast is like ours, but it's like serious. Oh no, but they're actually <laughs> they're actually spot on with that because in the eighties you didn't have all the internet trolls with right. their Photoshop skills just posting things to ruin it, so that there's the same picture but has a Photoshop version and a regular version yeah. of the same person, and nobody knows which one's the real one after a while because it's been posted so many times. Yeah, and just to generate attention for themselves, whatever Correct. sort of ego or... or yes, and, they're, and they're sitting in their basement laughing and going, look what I just did. And that was 80s yeah. news. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, no, yeah, I think that was 80s news. And But it, it does, and what Dave was saying, it does transition, I think, nicely into sort of our overall topic today, which, as I pointed out to you gentlemen, I've been reading this interesting book, Back to Our Future, by, I'm going to say David Sirota. 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 Is it Sirota? Okay. Sirota. David Sirota. 
Yep. David Sirota, and it's interesting. I've learned a lot from this book. Um, and what, what I wanted to talk about today was was interesting to me is how 1980s political climate, culture, etc. Call it what you like, influenced the entertainment, the pop culture of the 1980s. And it's fascinating to me because as a young person in the 1980s, I didn't realize that was happening at the time. So you know, to your point, Dave, what you're saying it was a little more. It wasn't as overt as it is right. today. It seemed almost um, subliminal, you know, or that they influenced, you know, a generation of media in a way that uh, I, again, as a young consumer of media, didn't understand. What I've come to learn is, is that in particular, how the Republicans decided they needed to run were or a couple of things. One, they wanted to harken back to 50s era, which like Zach, you were saying, uh, folks of different of certain generations believe that that's a simpler time and a, maybe a better time. Not unlike today, we we hear that again now. Um, but in order to to do that, they all had to at the same time demonize what may have been accomplished during the 1960s by focusing on the you know more chaotic episodes of the 1960s and not necessarily the accomplishments. So instead of advancing civil rights, we focus on riots, that kind of idea. Now, listeners, as you hear that, you can just think that the shows and movies you liked in the 1980s. You can pick. One was either about the 50s, was against the 60s, or, or both in some way way or another. Well, you yeah. know, it, it's so interesting reading that, uh, reading a chapter from that book. Die, um, hippie, die. Yeah, about how, um, <laughs> right. uh, you know, and I didn't realize it when I was going through the, I didn't even realize it until I read the chapter about how much of the, many of the sitcoms and uh, other television shows of the 80s really were a um, looking nostalgically uh, at the 50s and, and really uh, taking aim at the, at the excesses, or the, the, the supposed excesses of the 1960s. Um, family, uh, what was it, Family Ties? Family Ties. Family ties. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize how political a show that really was. You know, I was a kid, I was a teenager, I loved the show. Yeah, Reagan, te- Reagan actually tried to get onto the show, right? Yeah, yeah. and they said the writers refused. Right. They, didn't, they weren't right. interested. Interesting. Right. Do you remember being political a- at that time? I remember identifying Republicans only because of, I think, Alex P. Keaton. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I don't remember my family being, I thought they were Democrats, but I, I remember being a Republican, yeah. you know, as an early teen, just because that's what uh, Marty McFly's TV alter ego was. Well, you know, <laughs> when I went to uh, college in the late 80s, uh, that's when I became political. And, and I was a political science major, and then I became politically aware and politically active. Up until that point, I really wasn't, uh, really wasn't paying attention, except, you know, from uh, the perspective of just a teenager, you know, watching the Cold War and... And uh, uh, I remember there, this is a, a pretty distinct memory. There was a movie, I think it was called The Day After. Oh, yeah. Uh, we yeah. talked about yeah, that we, recently. We talked about yeah, that, yeah. That, I mean, that really impacted me as, oh, a, yeah. as a kid and, you know, scared the crap out of me, mm-hmm. you know, thinking, my gosh, you know, uh, we, we could, we're, we're heading towards nuclear Armageddon uh, any minute now. Yes, we talked about that recently. The same, for, for me, Ray said he shook it off and was like, bring it on, commies. I watched a lot of, <laughs> I watched a lot of horror movies growing up. So that was kind of like, there's no mutants in this. I'm kind of disappointed. Right. But I was I was I was along the lines of you, Dave. I thought we were just we were going to be melted off yeah. of the earth at any moment now. But then I saw Red Dawn, and I'm like, in the same way, I'm like, <laughs> bring it on, go. come on, Wolverines, like, Wolverines, right? <laughs> but so yeah, and so yes, and to your what you're pointing out here. So just here's just a list of some shows that you, as again, thinking about things in this lens, it sort of makes sense. You have Laverne and Shirley, Grease, Happy Days, Animal House, The Outsiders, Dirty Dancing, Stand by Me, Diner, Peggy Sue Got Married, The Right Stuff, Rambo, Rambo Two, The Big Chill. A bunch of movies that either um, sort of glorified uh, the excesses of the 80s or um, slammed the, again, the maybe perceived excesses of the 60s 
or, or glorified the you know the the wonderful idyllic days of the 1950s. Yeah, and I you know I can't help but think, and when you talk about the day after, and that had an impact on me as well. I think it was in law school at the time. It's frightening, and I think there's something to be said about kind of like a national, maybe even worldwide, sort of psychosis that is associated with the Cold War. I mean, we grew up, I grew up at a time where it was almost an assumption that eventually, you know, everything you see will be gone. And that's um, that's not healthy psychologically for a society. And I think um, world events shape culture more, perhaps more so than anything. And I, 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 you know, I don't know if you've taken a deep dive into the culture we're experiencing in today's world. Um, there are a lot of parallels, certainly to the '80s, and not the least of which is the kind of the demonization of the '60s, right. make America yep. great again. Yes, which I think perception is take us back to the '50s. But I think there's a different kind of angst, social angst, that's driving much of our culture today, and I think that's more associated with a loss of connection that people have to their communities, which in many cases is occasioned by advances in technology and how we communicate with one another, how we get our news. Uh, But I think the shrinking global economy is also creating angst. And um, I think uh, much of what you see today in terms of people's reactions, uh, their political positions, even culture is a reflection of a world that is scared of this change. It's moving too fast. And, and let's not forget, Make America Great Again comes directly out of the Reagan campaign of, I believe, 1980. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, the underlying message was, you know, we got to get back to the 1950s when America was at its, its greatest. We were the unrivaled superpower. Uh, and, um, you know, we've got to get past the hippie era uh, of the 19. 19- 60s and and essentially you know that that is uh, uh, that's been an enduring message I think of uh, conservative politics since then. A good thing about Reagan was he was an actor, so they could feed him whenever they wanted, and people just liked him. I mean, I'm not saying he was good or bad or anything in between, but he was very likable, and everything he said made his popularity go up. Didn't mm-hmm. matter what he was saying; he was just likable, and he did it with a smile on his face, and he yep. looked he looked like a president. Uh, and he played the role and, extremely well. And that's how he beat Carter. And, you know, in <laughs> terms of policies, I mean, there we, we see similar policies coming out of this current White House as we did out of the, the Reagan White House in the 80s. It's just that, uh, you know, the package that it's coming out of, uh, the, the salesperson <laughs> for this White House, uh, is a terrible representation of what uh, an American president is supposed to be. We, we look When we look at the model of, of how a president is supposed to look and talk like, it's, it's Ronald Reagan. Right and and the current occupant is is kind of the antithesis of that. But if you you look at some of the policies, they have actually their origins uh, back uh, in 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 the Reagan years. So right. the, I guess what if Donald Trump runs against Jimmy Carter in nineteen eighty? <laughs> who win, Who wins that race? Does does the same thing happen? Uh, you know that's a tough one. Yes. I think if he runs against him in the seventies, <laughs> I think Carter beats him. If he runs in eighty. I think maybe he Trump wins. Well, in eighty, he's the poster child of Wall Street and all the sort of well, excesses I mean. that we glorify. And we in all 80s. know Trump right. is very much but, like the eighties. So, well, and he might have won. Yeah, you know, and and Carter was not going to going to win re-election because the economy was in such such a bad shape and his approval rating was was so low. You could yeah. you could have run just about yeah, anybody and, against yeah, him. He was beginning to be viewed as weak. Mm-hmm. And would that's it, why Reagan was the perfect opponent at that time. Wouldn't he have had to have primaried Carter, though? Because wasn't he a Democrat back then? <laughs> I don't know. I think he was a Democrat until like two years ago. Yeah. 
That's, so, that, I think that's when he flipped, whatever. One interesting thing, I guess, is that, and you know what, I, I think, Zach, that you made me think of this, that, you know, so today we seem, it seems like we're further apart as a culture, whereas I don't know if pop culture necessarily has us that far apart. So it seems like, you know, depending on, no matter what political party you associate with, you love the Marvel's Avengers, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, that's that's a possibility, you know, they're taking those kinds of numbers. So I was going to make the point that maybe um, in the 80s, it was easier to have more unifying events culturally that sort of kept us together. Um, you know, so talking about uh, Red Dawn, the Russians were everybody's enemy then, mm-hmm. so we could all get behind that. Or the fear of nuclear war, you know, we all were afraid of that. Now, you know, Russia may or may not be a bad guy, depending on who you ask. And also, you've got a lot of choices, pop culture-wise, with streaming services and, you know, internet and movies, etc., that there aren't those things that keep us together in a way that did in the 80s. Who shot JR? I mean, the whole country was, uh, you know, wondering uh, about the answer to that question, right? Regardless of what your political party was or your ideology. I don't know that we have a unifying... uh, uh, again, maybe the Avengers is different because they were fighting against intergalactic bad guys, but it doesn't seem like maybe we have enough of a common enemy that keeps us together in spite of our social and economic differences. So one of the phenomenons that I that I see and that, that I mean, I'm, I'm not the only person that's made this observation, the value that we that I think we place on entertainment in and of itself today is much higher than it's ever been in our country. I mean, I can't imagine a period... And, and, and you can assess value, I think, by best by where we put our money. Sure. Um, so your, you know, your values are a reflection of, of how you spend your money. And it, some of the top paying uh, people, paid people in the country are entertainers. They're athletes, they're singers, they're actors, or uh, people that provide us with entertainment. You know, I was just up in Toronto for business, and while I'm up there, the Raptors happened to win the NBA championship. Of course, this isn't our country, but it's comparable. And there were like two million people in the streets of Toronto celebrating a basketball game. You know, I know people that you could tell them that they just won the Super Lotto, and they would react less, you know, crazily than if the Browns won the Super Bowl. So I just think that this... This, this culture that we have today is highly dependent upon it, uh, entertainment. And I think that's a red flag. I think it's a really big red flag. And, and it's because the uh, focus on entertainment versus uh, what's actually happening? I think it's a distraction uh, for people. And I think it's like a soma for, you know, for mm-hmm. Brave New World where it's a there's something about it that right. stimulates these things sure. in your brain that makes you forget about maybe right. all the bad things that are out there. Allows you to overlook them. Right. So in trying to think of the premise of our show, because eventually we're going to have to wrestle a, a thesis, something that feeds up into our overall thesis. What I'm hearing is it was better in the 80s because <laughs> there were less choices, or, or rather fewer choices in the 80s. So therefore, maybe there was less of this comfort that we could or seek in these types of things you know, that allow us to ignore what's happening in the world. Perhaps, um, but... I think it goes back to that rate of change. I think I think that our species is one that, like any uh, animal, does it. I mean, is afraid of change. We're changing very quickly. Our world economy is changing. How we produce our energy is changing. You know, the cars we drive, how we how we communicate with one another, how we digest information. It's changing so rapidly, much more so than it's ever happened before. I just think that's that is stimulating this angst. And did you mention demographics? Uh, demographically, we're changing, yeah. right? 
And uh, so I think there are many people in certainly uh, Gen X, but uh, older baby boomers uh, that see the country changing and they don't like it. And that's what make America great again, or I want to take my country back. Those are all code words for let's go back to the, the 1950s um, when America was primarily a, uh, a, a, you know, a, a white place. Yeah. And, and demo, the demographic change is, is about multiculturalism and, and you know, make America great. And it's about the code words of let's, let's go back to a time when you know, it wasn't, you know, so, quote, scary. Well, I, I think that's interpreted by different people yeah. different ways. That's why the code words work. Mm-hmm. For one person, make America great again is 1950. But when I hear it, I think of 1980s culture right. when they say make America great again. I think of Reagan and the, hmm. you That's know, interesting. All and right. the uh, and the gunshot or the car backfires and he goes missed me. Oh yeah, I think of that stuff, mm-hmm. and I think people take out of it what they want to take out of it because it is a vague statement. You know, in the 1980s, were you know there were parts of it that were a great unifying time. Uh, Reagan's speech in front of the Brandenburg Gate, uh, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I mean, all Americans, whether you were Democrat or Republican, viewed that and said, "Hell yes, this you know I I, I like what he's saying," you know. Um, there were many moments uh, like that uh, in the 1980s. The problem is in the 21st century where we are right now, uh, regardless of what uh, the president says, it will be highly politicized and people will view it uh, only through partisan lenses. Uh, and, and I think kind of we're at a new normal uh, right now, where regardless of what the president says or president does, it, it, will, uh, it will be viewed through those partisan lenses. And that's always been the case in our in our society, but but I think it's much more uh, intense uh, in 2019 uh, than, for example, in 1989. You make me wonder if um, you know, with regard to pop culture, obviously, whatever's happening at a t- in a in a in a culturally, politically, economically, etc., influences what pop culture we get. It's either uh, a reflection of it or it's a reaction to it. It could be both. It could be both. Um, I'm wondering, you know, it seems to me that politically, I want to say this, but I think it's not true even as I form these words in my head, that politically we have less of a hold or a direct, something like direct hold. Well, going back to the 80s, the media was uh, complicit in the Republican influence over, uh, you know, the, uh, over the, the, the culture. Um, they helped, you know, sh- spread these words of, you know, pro-50s, anti-60s. So, can I stop you there, Yeah, Will? please. So, it, it was meaningless. So, no, no, no. It's a, I think it's a good point. But yeah. but by, by suggesting the media was complicit, I don't know that the media has ever been complicit so much with a political ideology as it has been with just making money. So, okay, so, very good. I mean, they, they – Back to the Future and the Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley and all those 50s-oriented themes were popular because people – yearned for that. They lusted that. They wanted to see this. I don't think it was a political, an intentional political act on behalf of the media so much as it was just a reflection of a cultural desire. And their ratings were high and they watched it and therefore there was an incentive for those media companies to keep producing those shows. Very good. I shouldn't have used complicit. That's sort of, that's a very loaded word in that in that regard. It does suggest some sort of more nefarious uh, sort of intent or relation, maybe. But but that's not to say that that, that it's that it's responsible. I mean, the media, I think today, um, is doing the same thing. They're 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 looking for eyeballs, and that doesn't. I mean, anything goes in right. the quest to to rack up eyeballs, and we've seen um, on both sides of the political aisle ideology driven by television that's designed 
for commercial money. Right. And, and, and the point I was going to make, and you're right, again, I agree with your point. I take your point uh, with regard to how I said, said complicit. You're right. It's, it's a money-making opportunity. I guess what I was going to suggest is the, the relationship of media, I guess, leveraging what was happening, uh, let's say, politically to make money in the 80s seemed to be, we get these cranking out pop culture because you still had folks like, I guess, Walter Cronkite and other news organizations telling the news, whereas now you've got the, the news itself. And Ray and I talked about this briefly on an episode is which changed in the in the 1980s when we when we had uh, CNN go live with 24 hour news that the news is the opportunity now for making money um, and taking what's happening you know politically sure. late, let's say um, so we see maybe it more reflected in the news and less in movies not to say that we, we the don't news has become but, its own form of entertainment yeah. right and uh, in, in large part because it can be back when I was growing up they had three channels and the right. news was on for an hour. You know, a night. And yeah. news divisions were not expected to make money. Right. You know, they historically lost money, but the networks believed it was a really important uh, part uh, of of their network, and so they they just dealt with uh, you know the the losses or the breaking even. Now they are expected uh, to make money. They're cash cows, right? Right. Yeah, and you also oh. have the difference in take for example when Reagan was shot. There was utter chaos at news stations trying to figure out what happened. If someone was shot today, there's a kid on the corner with a camera yep. right, that already has it and is looking for the highest bidder. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Which in, in many ways, that is incredible and fantastic. And the fact that we have thousands of citizen journalists uh, that don't even realize they're a citizen journalist, uh, and they may be next week. Uh, and documenting history and, and documenting all these things that are happening in our society, but it's also terrifying, too, because uh, sometimes you're rushing to judgment uh, before uh, you, you know uh, exactly what, what's happened. So, uh, in conclusion, 80s were better. <laughs> You've Pop convinced me really, well, yeah, they have let, yeah, they are. Let me, let me try and wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, are you, um, are you gonna, are you, do you have some pop trivia? cultural president, presidential trivia? Oh, I do have trivia? to. Tri- let's do the trivia first. Okay. okay. Yeah. This isn't just 80s. This is just Sweet. fun. I, I, I like presidential trivia, so. Let's now, see if now, Ray, you can put all three of your heads together for these. Saying that you, I, I can't. You guys are on your own. I'm sure you'll be fine. But saying that you <laughs> like presidential trivia, if we were to ask you these questions, would you have known the answers? Some of them, but yes. for oh, okay, because I've I've looked them up based on what I tried to remember. I'm terrible at trivia. Right. I just don't have a. <laughs> these are once again or when I do the trivia. The most of them are softballs. Should be home run derby. Now the pressure's on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That had the opposite effect of what you think, Ray. Say, okay. Saying that. All right, fine. Okay, question number one. Before he was president, George W. Bush owned was a co-owner of what Major League Baseball team? Texas Rangers. Yep. Right. See? I think I might have gone that Piece way. of cake. And his dad was a fan of what team? Um, Boston Red Sox. Houston Astros. Oh, that's right. I think they were season ticket holders. Hmm. Yes. All right, question number two. Bill Clinton played this instrument on the Arsenio Hall show. Okay. Saxophone. See, these are... These are Come on, you, you gotta, hit him with the hard ones. All right, all right you want a hard one? All right, here. Jimmy Carter was the first president born in one of these. Ooh. Mm. Well, definitely not a log cabin. Uh, peanut field. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, so you no idea. A hospital. Oh my! Wait a second. Yeah, that makes sense. Does it? Yep. That's yeah. amazing. So, yeah. Okay, you're right. Because yeah. you have to think. Right, the focus huh. automatically comes on to right. when he was president, and right. not minus Interesting. How, however old he was when he. Yeah, he was born in like 1687, right? <laughs> <laughs> Give right. or take. He's actually our oldest uh, lived president in history. Is that right? Yeah, I, he just just uh, established that I think a month ago. 
Ronald Reagan appeared in this movie in 1951 with a chimpanzee. Bedtime for Bonzo. Very good. Sure. Killing it. All right. This one is another tough one because I might be the only one in this room who actually knows. Because you looked it up. Because you looked it up. (laughs) This one I actually did know. That's why I think it's kind of difficult. In 1996, They Might Be Giants released the album Factory Showroom, which contains a song about this president, which is also the name of the song. Oh, I do know this. Now, I'm a little disappointed this is from 1996, Ray. And not uh, now you might be giant song from the eighties. Uh, Jimmy Carter wasn't born in the eighties either, pal. Oh, there you go. Uh, was it a? It was a song about an uh, old time president. Was, oh, is this yeah. the James okay. Polk one? James K. Polk. Whoa, oh, that's a deep go. cut. Yeah. Nice. It's a B side, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm probably okay. the only person here in this room that's actually published research on James K. Polk. Really? Yes. Wow. You may be <laughs> the only person in Ohio. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number six. In a commercial for Diet Mountain Dew, it was revealed that Abe Lincoln's favorite sport was this. Diet Mountain Dew. Yes. Mm. Okay. Now, uh, <laughs> now, Ray, once you is hear this the a answer, real fact? This is a real... Yes, I, I did double check okay. to make now, sure it was Water real. skiing. Is this a, yeah, I was going to say, you know, Mountain Dew, they had was those commercials where they're like diving from the cliffs into the water, so some sort oh. of diving. Wrestling. Oh, wrestling. Okay. Interesting. If you remember the commercial, <laughs> he pulls off his shirt and starts throwing people off the stage. Abe oh, Lincoln does? Yes. Of wow, I've never seen that commercial. But look it up when you get I'm going to look it up on YouTube. Yeah, you see, it's actually awesome. We couldn't do that in the 80s. Exactly. So right? it's like big time wrestling. <laughs> yes. They, he actually was a wrestler, but they turned it into <laughs> WWE style wrestling for the commercial. Did, did he have the stovepipe hat on? Yeah. <laughs> he did to start. Okay. <laughs> he threw it down. <laughs> All right. What kind of tree supposedly did George Washington oh. cut down? Cherry. Which turned out to be a myth, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Never happened. Never happened. Fake news. The writer oh, of the book wow, thought it would original show his virtue. Yeah. So the writer right. lied to teach a lesson about lying. Right. <laughs> about, yes, about virtue. That is, that's called a, irony, right? I was going to say, it should have been a book yeah. about irony instead. Right. Yes. All right, number eight. John F. Kennedy. What does that F stand for? Fitzgerald. What was Trump's TV show called? Come on, Ray. Well, there's a couple, right? He's got The what, Apprentice, is, but then there's the also apprentice. Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah. We don't yeah. care about Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah. The Apprentice was the good one before he lost <laughs> oh. his mind. All right. Number 10. Deep Throat was the informant oh during the Watergate scandal during this president's term. Oh, oh my gosh. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and do we know who his, what yes, his name that's was? that's what I thought you were going to say. Hmm. Mm, now that's... We that's do know. I do. But I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, that was just revealed just a few years ago. He, Mark Felt. Mark Felt. Yes. Yep. He was the deputy director of the FBI. Is that right? Uh, uh, but that was his position during Watergate. He died, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Was it on his death that his identity was revealed? Well, it was about a year before he died. Mm. He decided to come out, I think, and, and cash in a little bit and help his family out and, and uh, told Woodward and Bernstein that they could release his name. Wow. It, it's amazing that that could have remained a secret for as long as it mm-hmm. did. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's really kind of remarkable. Uh, there was only a few people that knew it was Woodward Bernstein and the editor of the Washington Post, Ben Bradley, uh, that knew. Hmm. And they all kept it, uh, you know, tightly, tightly hidden. Okay. Or tightly held. I totally screwed up that saying. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, guys, so, we should... So, yeah, well, I got to wrap a, this I gotta wrap this up we, before they, they take you off. You want to so, thank them before they you wrap no, it up? No, no, no. I think okay. we'll wrap it up first, and then we can say thank you. That way there's thank no you. argument about the... <laughs> <laughs> well, then we should thank them first, because then we could right, edit right, them ahead. out later. No, I'm go just ahead. kidding. Go ahead. Right. Uh, I think we've proved... 
beyond a shadow of a doubt. This is Ray's catchphrase now. Zach. That no matter which side of the political side you're on Uh-oh. or what decade you lived in, we can all agree that the television Uh-oh. shows from the 80s were the best. Don't get me started. Maybe we could come to an agreement that yeah. the television shows of the 90s and 2000s oh. were trash compared okay. to the 80s we can, or the current era we're in. I think we can agree on that. So Knight Rider, was that the 80s? Or oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Baywatch, mm-hmm. was that the... No, no that's 90s. 90s. All right. Well, there's a have David Hasselhoff. It does have Hasselhoff. Although yeah. there, have, there have been some incredible shows at the beginning of this century. The West Wing. I mean, you know, that's epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I yeah. think there's something maybe to be said about... Maybe we didn't talk about this enough, but this idea that maybe pop culture was uh, more of a unifying phenomenon than it is now, in a sense. And again, again, I think in part it's because of choice and also because it seems like we're more divided as a country um, because maybe because we're less informed. Oh, okay, wait, I'm I'm remembering now. Okay, wait, Zach was making a point. Here we go. Something about how the 1980s was better because now pop culture and media is used as a way to check out of reality. Uh, in, in the 80s, it was more of, you know, water cooler type experiences where you could see Alf and then play with your friends next day, you know, outside till the lights turned on. It was more of a shared experience uh, and, it's, and, and help provide a sense of community, whereas today it may be pushing us apart. There you go. That's it. And we'll, I'll, I'll, we'll have you say yeah. that with your catchphrase <laughs> later and we'll, dun- we'll dub it in. Yeah, d- fix it later. But think about it, the 1980s too. I think, I don't know if we made this point, but there was there were very few choices in terms of our entertainment, right? right. You, had, you had three stations. So everybody watched similar shows or the same shows that were popular. Right. Now, you know, we're rarely watching uh, what our neighbor is watching because we have Netflix and Hulu and right. Prime and we've got thousands of shows to choose from and we're doing our own thing. We're on our own silo. I think we're all seeing this. We're agreeing vehemently yeah. that the 1980s was... The best. Anyway, thanks, guys. <laughs> yep, thanks uh, for coming So we're in. still right. We're still right then, yes. is all we proved, even though Zach tried to get us greasing our hair and I don't know what we were. <laughs> all right, thank you, guys. We'll talk to you next time on The Idiots. Great to see you. See ya.